0: Well, good morning. I know some of you are still talking story because that's what we do here in Hawaii. And sometimes you don't see each other for a week and you try to catch up an entire week in 30 seconds. That's okay. Uh, There's a couple of things I wanted to communicate with you. Uh, First of all, this afternoon, and you'll hear it in our announcement, uh, we have our connecting with the family. And that's for those who are new, who want to understand and hear the vision of New Hope Hilo Hawaii, and maybe have some questions uh, that you may not be able to ask right now, but uh, after first sur- uh, third service, we're going to have our connecting with the family. And it's a, it's a great time for us as the staff to meet you. We want to get to know you on a smaller, uh, in a smaller group of people. And then we'll have some time to spend together. Also, this week is our camp, our high school youth camp, which is our district camp out of the state of Hawaii for our four-square denomination. So, I'm inviting you to be here Wednesday. Uh, it, we'll have about... Now, please don't get turned away by this. We'll have about 250 high school students from around our state who is learning about Jesus Christ this week. So they'll be arriving, I believe, Tuesday, and we'll be staying here till Saturday. And the reason why I'm inviting you is because uh, there may be something that God wants to do through you to touch another person's life. We'll have a time of prayer, but we'll all be worshiping together. And then Pastor TJ Gorham will be speaking. But I want to invite all of you uh, to be here. Also, uh, some time ago, as I've been praying and asking the Lord what direction He wants to go with the vision of this church, He said, we're to reach the lost one relationship at a time uh, for, the, for the cause of Christ. And what that means is that we would find people and help people come to know God as their God. That we would help people understand that there is a God who loves us unconditionally. A well, part of that is God has been assembling a team together with our staff. And so I was praying, and God put someone on my heart to oversee different areas, like our guest services, our information center, our front office. And I asked this person to pray about it, and they felt, yes, that God said so. So come August 16th, Lance Takai is going to be on staff with us, and he's going to be helping us in those different areas. So I want to invite Lance and and Debbie and Mia, if you guys can come up too. This is Lance and his family. And we wanted, I just wanted to... uh, introduce him to you guys so you know who he is if you don't know him already and of course debbie and sweet mia uh they'll they'll be serving and so i'm gonna ask if you would just pray over them we're gonna extend a hand forward and in agreeing with this prayer but lord we do pray for lance and debbie and mia as they head into this new direction that you have for their lives uh, that you have called them you're the one who has chosen them to do the task at hand And you're the one who brings us into these places so that we can reach out to other people in the hopes that they come to know you as Lord and Savior. And so I pray your anointing over them, that your spirit would be upon their lives, your hand would be upon them, and that their effectiveness for you would be to advance the kingdom of God so that you would be glorified in everything that they do. We trust in you and we applaud all that you're doing in their lives and we thank you for these things. In Jesus' name we pray and we all said... Amen, amen, amen. Thanks so much, Lance. Thank you, Debbie. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Mia. Okay. I went hug her a long time for service, so. but thank you. Now, there are many things happening here at New Hope, so we're going to take a look at our announcements, and then we'll continue to move forward. But thank you so much for welcoming Lance and his family. Let's take a look.
1: Good morning and welcome to New Hope Hilo Hawaii. I'm Tracy
2: and I'm David and Ohana means family and family means nobody gets left behind or forgotten.
1: You're not pulling a lilo and stitch are you?
2: I already did.
1: Well as a family of New Hope, we'll be hosting a youth camp right here this week and you'll notice some changes around the campus and that's because we'll have 250 high school students from all over the state staying right here.
2: Not right here she means, she means out there under the white tent, but you guys get the picture. But besides that, we have a guest speaker coming this week, and we'll tell you about that more in a minute.
0: Baptism is a time of testimony. It is a physical picture of one being buried with Christ, just as he was and being raised to a new life because he was raised from the dead. Water baptism publicly announces that you are taking the next step on your walk with Christ. So you can say that I am living a life for him.
1: So if you're taking that next step, join us for water baptism next Sunday, July 28th, 1.30pm at Coconut Island. And for the rest of us, let's come together as a family and support those who are being baptized. We'll be having a all-church potluck picnic following water baptism.
2: Our New Hope Surf Keiki Contest is coming up on August 3rd down at Honoli, So bring your ohanas as we support all those keikis that are taking part of this event.
1: Now about and that guest speaker. Person,
2: he is from New Hope, Diamond Head, Pastor T.J. Gorham.
1: And not only will he be sharing with it? our youth this week. He
2: also will be speaking on our equipped service on Wednesday point? night.
1: See, the problem is, is when happiness becomes our chief goal, we'll do anything in the name of happiness, even if it's destructive.
2: Our pastors and our staff want to get to know you.
1: So if you're new to New Hope or have never been to a connecting with the family, join us today following third service in the courtyard under the white tent. For more information, you can check out your bulletin, where you'll find a tear-off tab that you can fill out and drop in our offering bucket.
2: Or you can stop by our information center or visit our website at www.numopilo.org.
1: I'm Tracy. And
2: I'm David. See you next week. And, and aloha. aloha.
3: Well, good morning. We're going to prepare to receive the tithes and offerings at this moment. You know, yesterday I came up to help with the um, food distribution that we were doing. And let me tell you, this place was pumping We had baseball out in the field going there. They were actually getting ready for a a funeral service that we were going to have in here. They were putting showers in the restrooms to get ready for our 250 kids at camp. Um, The men's ministry was just finishing up. And everywhere I turned, there was life that was happening up here on this campus. And I want to thank you for that. Because the Bible says that um, we are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. And when we hear God, When he talks about tithes and offerings, and we obey that, then we get to have this place and all of us be a city on a hill that goes out and brings hope. So every activity we do, every event, is an opportunity to reach one person with the hope that God has. Now, if you're visiting here for the first time, then please receive this service as a gift. If you're um, from another church, then please be a part of what God is doing with your home church. But if you want to be a part of what God is doing here and you said, this is it, then I encourage you, partner with God and let's give. Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the opportunity to give back to you from what you've already given to us. Would you receive these tithes and offerings that we bring? Would you use it, Lord God, to touch one soul at a time so that this community would know the hope that comes from you, Lord Jesus? Would you bless those who give and would you further this offering to um, the furtherance of your kingdom in Jesus' name? Amen. Well, have you ever felt like, man, I did this, and how's God going to use me? Or, man, this happened to me, this has been going on in my life, and just all this stuff, and you kind of wonder, like, can God really take what's happened in my life, and can he use it for his kingdom? Well, let's take a look at this as Sister Clara shares how God is using the events of her life to touch the houseless. Well, I'm
4: um, Clara Alvarez, um, so called Sister Clara. I serve down at Under His Wings Ministry um, here in the Harakilo, 183 Kiave Street. Uh, what we do here, we're open six days a week. Monday through Fridays, we have showers here for the people from 8 to um, 11. Um, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays, we do a free breakfast in the morning from 6 to 7.30. Our mission runs to 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Before in my life, I used to be in um, a lot of drugs, and alcohol was a thing that I struggled with, and when I came here, um, God used me to share my story of my recovery with him.
3: Well first, I used to come and eat, you know, I used to um, walk in, and um, I was uh, one of the homeless too before, and then um, I asked Sister Clara one day if I could give back to the community. And she asked me why, and I said because, you know, they were a big help to me. They helped me, you know. So she said, sure,
4: come back, fill out a volunteer packet. She loves this place. Um, I thank God for her. <laughs> but um, she showed me how to do it, um, how to love the people, um, which that's what I do now. I'm Love the people, serve the people, but, you know, for God just was there for help me. She's like a mother, I guess. Yeah, more like a mother figure to the people here. Um, she shows them unconditional love, you know, which is what they need. I mean, when you are die on your love, you don't need to be told how bad you are. But the feelings uh, I have about Sister Claire is a good one. Like I said, from the beginning, and you should sue me for this for this place I believe I really found Jesus here myself, thinking that I was coming to help people, where really people helped me Um, I found God's compassion I found his love, and I just found um, a place that I feel that I belong, as much as the people that come inside of it here um, they find a place that they belong and accept it and I'm grateful that the Lord gave me an opportunity to be a part of what this is all about, and he's keep growing my life
0: into where it's at today. Well, thank you to Sister Clara, of course Olivia and Chantel and Moses for sharing. Uh, when we when we look at what God is doing in our community, it takes a whole team of people to make it happen. And so, what God does through ordinary people turns out to be extraordinary because we have an extraordinary God. And so once again, we want to say thank you to Sister Clara and her team uh, for serving uh, under his wings. So we want to say thank you. I do want to welcome Pastor Rod, who's here this morning. He's visiting us uh, from, from California. Thank you for being here. And Pastor Rod actually serves and, and uh, preaches to the Deaf community. And so we're so honored that you would be here this morning and visiting us, and we hope you do come back. (laughs) Good to see you. (laughs) Okay, well, you can take out your notes and then we'll uh, continue in our series, God's Good News. Did you ever think of what God can do through you? Have you ever thought that God could use someone like you? Have you ever pictured what your life could look like if God? Moved through you. Now, some some of us would be scared by that. We would be fearful because we know what our life consists of, and we know how we live. We know what takes place in our life, and so we will sometimes hesitate to be used by God. But God still wants to use us. He wants to do incredible things through ordinary people to do extraordinary things. I was washing dishes the other day, and uh, Heidi. Uh, told me thank you. She said, "Oh, thank you so much for helping me with the dishes." And I said, "Well, some of these are mine." And she says, "That's true." And I said, "Oh, I thought you were going to say that's right. Some of his is your dishes." And she said, "No, no, no. I'm trying to work on Proverbs 31, where it talks about the virtuous wife that she speaks kind, is gentle, and would speak good of her husband." And she, eh, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> And she said, no, I'm trying, I'm trying to do better with that. And, and I, I thought, every single person wants to do good. Every single person wants to do better for God. Every single one of us wants to do great things for God, but sometimes we think we can't because we look at our circumstances and our past rather than for God and to God and for our future. Did you know that the things that we go through and the mistakes that we've made, God can still redeem he can still use it to glorify who he is and to glorify his name. Now, what does that mean to bring glory to God? Well, for many of us, whenever you change your life, and when you change your life for God, and when you turned your life around, then maybe someone knew you for a long time. And maybe they haven't seen you for like 10 years or 20 years. And then finally they see you again and they say, yeah, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, so what, what, what are you doing now? Well, I, I do these things. I go to church. I do Would well, you go to church? Yeah, I go to church. No way. Not you. Yeah, I go to church. I know you long time. Huh? You sure that it's a real church? Like people are there. How, is the building still there? It didn't burn down when you went? It's No, no, I, I I, love God now. I accepted Christ in my life. And it's like people glorify God, not in the way we may think, but in other words, they're saying there must be a God if God can do something through people like me. And if God can take a life that is is faulty and a life that is is not pleasing to him or a life that has gone astray or, or has been living in sin and change us and turn us around to be used for him. People see that and they wonder there has to be something about this God that they love so much. What actually happens is that God does great things through us because of how good he is, not how terrible we have been. It's how good he is. And He can take someone as terrible as I have been and, and a, a lifestyle that I lived and a past that I have and turn that around to help others who may be going through the same thing but do not know their way out. And they're now struggling with the same things I used to. They're going to be struggling with the same things you used to struggle with. But now God wants to do something great through you to help them in the same situation He helped us with. But how does He do that? Why would God do that? Why wouldn't he just leave it up to the systems of the world and the the leaders in this world? Why why would he do it this way? Why would he use people who believe in him? Why would he do it that way? Well, let's look at it this way. If you are married and there are there's a couple here that They're struggling with their marriage. And let's just say from a 1 to 10, they're a 2 in their marriage. 1 meaning horrible, 10 meaning great. They're a 2. If they ever want to be a 3 or 4 or even higher, then God will send them people who are 3's or higher. If they're ever going to be any better in their marriage, then God would send them People who can be an, a living example so that they can see that there's hope. Now, why don't, why don't we just skip this process? Why does God use people and why will he use us to reach other people? Why doesn't he just go straight to them? Why does he just come into the marriage, show up one night with this beaming light and say, Hey, I'm God. You need to change in your marriage. You know, your marriage could be better if you as the husband did this better. If you as the wife did this better. Sure, that's not how God speaks, but he could do that. But what he does is he uses other people. Now, why would God you, why would he do it this way? Many people will relate to you quicker. Then they will relate to God. That's how many of us came to know Jesus Christ. Someone who we knew invited us to church or talked to us about God or, or prayed for us or gave us hope. We could relate to that person. That's why God sent his son, Jesus Christ. That God came in human form so that we could relate to God. No one can stand before God and live, he's holy, he's pure. But if God came in man form, in human form, oh, we could relate to Jesus. He's tangible. He's someone who we can relate with. Because Jesus went through this entire, went through His entire life being tempted in the very same things that we'll be tempted with, but He did not sin. He did not succumb to the temptations and sin. He overcame it. Therefore, because we can relate to one another in Christ... He can now bring us from wherever we are in our life, from a two or a three, to bring us to better places. Now, what if you're in a company and you own a company or a business and you want your business to go from a two to a five? You will not look for another business that is a three or below. You just won't. If you want to do better in your business, you're going to look for other businesses that are doing things way better than your business. It's kind of like school. Like school. If, if you're going to college and you want to get your bachelor's degree, you want to get your master's, you're not going to have someone teach you who only has a high school diploma. If you're going for your master's, And imagine, if you stepped into that classroom, and all the students are there, and here comes Sheldon Loxina, with his Kailoa High School diploma. And he stood in front of the entire class and said, okay class, I am going to be your teacher. And what are your credentials? I have a high school diploma. We're going for our masters. Yes, I understand. But I know some things you may not understand because I watch YouTube. So I can teach some of these things. Now, probably most of us, if you're in that class, you'd be saying, this is crazy. I'm not going to stay in this class. I'm paying big bucks for this. I'm out of here. I'm going to find someone who has a doctorate that's going to teach me to receive my masters. Those who have their masters can teach those who are getting their bachelors. So God will set up our lives in that kind of way too. If we operate like that just in our normal living, tell me God wouldn't do it that way too. In fact, this is what God does. He takes a sinner like me, changes my life for the gospel of Jesus Christ, to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm not a 10. Jesus is a 10. My life is a 2 or a 3 without Christ. But because Christ lives in us, you may be a one. You may feel like you're a zero. But because of Christ, you're a ten. Look at the person next to you. You're a ten. You're a ten. Yep, that's right. That's right. You're a ten. And some of you are like, I knew. I know I was a ten. But you're a ten. Because Jesus is perfect. And so now what he wants to do is take our imperfections with his perfect life and reach other people who are imperfect. Only God can do that. Only he is capable of doing that. God wants to do something through you, something great through you. Let's look at our notes in the book of Romans, what the Bible tells us. Romans 10, verses 15 through 17. And it says, and how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, How beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. But not everyone welcomes the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. Well, who's going to tell them? If if faith comes from hearing... And and if they won't know unless someone is sent, who's going to go? The only people that can go are those who understand the good news. You wouldn't send someone to run an errand for you without letting them know what errand they're running. You wouldn't just tell them, okay, I need you to run an errand. Okay, what is it? I don't know. Just go. Figure it out. You figure it out along the way and hopefully you get it right. God didn't do that. He said, I'm going to save you. I'm going to give you good news for your life so that you don't keep it for yourself. I'm going to give you this good news so that you can go out into the world who is in desperate need of good news. And you tell them. You tell them what I did in your life. You let them know how much I love you and how much I love them, that it's unconditional, that anyone can come to me They don't have to get their act together. They don't have to get their life together. They don't have to behave in a certain way. They just come to me just as they are. I'll take care of the rest. That to me is good news. That's the God we serve. And he says, I'm going to equip you. You're the one who's going to go out there and let people know how good I am. How beautiful are the feet for the messenger who brings good news. Our feet aren't beautiful because we go out into the world. Our feet are beautiful because we carry the good news. The good news makes it beautiful. It's not us. We're twos and threes. But with the gospel of Jesus Christ, with this good news, we become tens. And so, how do we do that? Did you know God wants to move in and through every single one of us to a greater capacity? He wants to use us to a degree that we could pos- probably not even imagine. It's possible once we understand this good news of Jesus Christ. Here's something that will help us, and you can take some notes. The first thing that will help us in allowing God to move through us, that God wants to do something through you, is to avoid what destroys my life. To avoid it. Avoid the things that destroy our lives. Now, just as a test, I'm not asking if you're a fan of the movie or this superhero... But Superman avoids what? Kryptonite. Because kryptonite destroys him now. Although fantasy, we understand the concept. I'll go running once in a while just so that I can stay in shape for my grandchildren because I know they want to play with me. So if Papa is not healthy, I can't play with them. So I'm running and and sometimes I'll be running and I'll come across an area that has a dead carcass. Have you ever done that? You're just walking all of a sudden, oh, (laughs) but i got to pass. It's like... You try your very best. You put your, your, your shirt over your face. You try your very best to pass that area so you don't breathe it in. Well, sometimes I'm running and I'll pass that area, but if I do pass an area like that, I avoid that area. I don't go back to the area and say, I know there's a dead carcass here, but I'm just going to try again and see if it's different this time. I avoid that area. And if you're like me, some of you, uh, I I don't have a weak stomach, but I have a sensitivity to smells. So when I hit that area, I'm like, I'm not even going to go back there because it is not helpful to me and I do not enjoy it one bit. So I avoid the dead carcass. In our lives, here's what can be almost foolish. We know what destroys our life. We've been there. We've passed the dead carcass before. We've been through that area. We know that season of life that we hit and we said, boy, I'm not going to go through that again. But then we go back to the dead carcass. After a while, if we continue to go back there over and over, you know what will happen? We'll get, in, we'll get used to the smell. We will be immune to dead carcasses. And after a while, because we're hanging around the dead carcass, we won't even know what it means to hang around true life. Because we don't know the difference. And so we do the same thing over and over, expecting a different life. But God is saying, you keep hanging around the dead carcass. For many of us, before we came to know Jesus Christ, everything was dead. Every place we went smelled dead. Everywhere we went. It just, it wasn't a good environment. But now God, thanks be to his good news, came in and rescued us, changed us, turned us around. So that now we're able to live a new life. That if we were to go back into those areas that are like dead carcasses, we can catch it. And we can say, no, I don't belong here. I don't belong doing that. That's not me anymore. Why? Because you recognize it because you have been avoiding what destroys your life. Before Heidi and I were married, we learned that God wanted to do great things through us. And so we had to avoid the temptation of sleeping with one another, but we lived in the same house. And so we had two options. One was for me to move out, or two, to get married. And we felt God saying, get married, and so we did. Now, there were other options But not if we wanted to do great things for God. There were only two options. Move out or get married. That was the only two options. Otherwise, we were just destroying our lives from the inside out. Before I came to know Christ, and many of us, before we came to know Christ, uh, for myself, I would drink. Alcohol was something I could not put away. And then God says, I want to do something great to your life. I want to do something that you cannot do on your own. And I want you to get involved in the youth ministry. And I said, oh, I don't know if I can do that. He says, you can. But you're not going to be as effective as you could be if you continued drinking. And so I felt the Lord saying, I'm going I'm to strengthen you. And what he did is he just removed the desire to drink. And once he did that, then I could be more effective to serve in our youth ministry. And when that took place, I I, I thought, Lord, I couldn't do this, but you did. You did something in me that I could never do. Now I can help other people who are struggling with the same things. Why? Because God did something in my life. And we always say this, if God can change me, God can change anybody. You may see someone like that in church. You would say, oh, if God can change that person, then there is a God. He exists. And we can say that about ourselves. But we we've got we to avoid the things that destroy us. Not keep going back to it. If pornography is in your life, it's destroying your life from the inside out. If uncontrolled anger is in your life, it's destroying you from the inside out. If you have unforgiveness, premarital sex, uncontrolled anger or lust or jealousy, any other God, control, pride, it's destroying us. And we may not even recognize it, but it's just killing us beneath the surface And then one day, we wonder, what happened? God wants to use us, but if we're destroying our own life, then we're fighting against God and His will for our lives. And He's encouraging us, just avoid what destroys your life. The second thing, excuse me, uh, James 4, 7, it tells us this, and this is is what will help us. It says, and let's read this together so that we can catch it. Ready? Go. Therefore, submit to God... Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, many of us will do this because I've I've done this before. I would say, you know, uh, I'm, I'm going through this, so I and we use a Christian word. I rebuke you, devil. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Lord, help me in this season. And so we'll pray that, and then we expect whatever it is bothering us to go away, whatever it is, you know, oppressing us or controlling us or the sin that we're in. That Lord, help me through this. And we pray, and that's a good thing because we're turning to God. But that's not how the devil flees. That's not how we get rid of something the enemy is trying to do in our lives that causes something of, as as the Bible says, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. If he's trying to destroy my life, just saying, get away from me, it's not going to cut it. See, here's the things that need to happen. When we, when we need to avoid the things that destroy us, what this scripture is saying is we need to submit to God. Not submit to other things, but submit to God. And then the next thing is to what? Resist the devil and he will flee. Sometimes we do the both. We submit to God and then we resist the devil. I mean, and then we, we rebuke the devil. We say, oh, we don't, we don't want to, we, we, you know, don't do these things in my life. But we don't resist. The very thing that we're praying about. The very thing that caused us to go back to the dead carcass. We don't pray about that. We don't resist. We succumb to it. We succumb to temptations. And then we say, God help me. And He's saying, wait, I, I did. I am. But you don't resist what you keep, you keep falling back into. you got to work with me. Remember, it's a relationship with God, not a religion. It's, it goes two ways. And he's saying, I want to build your life. I want to do something great in your life. Therefore, avoid anything that destroys your life. And come back to me and follow me. You know, fleeing is also represented... Not just the devil fleeing, but us fleeing away from whatever it is that's destroying our life. God is the one who strengthens us so that we can be used by Him. Avoid whatever destroys you. And help each other in your marriages, in your families. Help each other so that we can be used by God in a mighty way. The second thing, I want to explain this a little bit, but to strengthen what strengthens me. To strengthen those things that strengthen our lives. Strengthen those things. You know, they say the most common injuries uh, in the NBA, in basketball, pro athletes, are ankle injuries and finger injuries. Those are the two most common injuries. But the worst ones are the ankle injuries. They can do okay with finger injuries. You know, they'll tape it up, they'll still be able to play. They may may not shoot as well, but once their ankles go bad, that's their foundation. They have a hard time playing. They can't be as explosive, and so they do ankle and finger strengthening programs and exercises. And that's what they'll do. And we'll think, "Oh, wait! It has to be their. They got to be their quads. It has to be their, their their leg muscles, their calves, because that's what makes them jump and run." That's what they should be working on. Yeah, but even though you may have strong muscles here, if your ankles are bad, you can't jump. No matter how gifted you are, if your foundation is not solid and healed, you won't be able to jump. Even though you have the energy, even though you have the muscles for it, you won't be able to. And the same is true with us as Christians. As people who believe in God and follow Jesus Christ... If our foundation is not good, it doesn't matter how talented we are, it doesn't matter how much scripture I know, it doesn't matter how good I can look in public, if my foundation is not good, I'm not going to be able to be as effective as I should be for Jesus Christ to bring the gospel of good news to people because my foundation is faulty. And so what God says is you got to strengthen the things that strengthen you. What strengthens me? Well, my relationship with God strengthens me. So I'm going to strengthen that. I'm going to strengthen my relationship with Him. Being in the Word of God strengthens me. So I'm going to strengthen my time in the Word of God. My prayer time, that strengthens me. So I'm going to strengthen my prayer time. Not just going to use the eating time for my prayer time. I'm going to specifically have a time of prayer. Whether I get up in the morning or or go before I go to sleep or a time of the day. Or as the Bible says, just pray without ceasing. That you're continuously in prayer before God. See, prayer is not closing your eyes and folding your hands and praying. Prayer is connecting with God. You're talking to Him. But it's with a holy reverence. That you respect God that much. So, we'll do whatever we can to strengthen what strengthens us. Uh, Some of you may be Lakers fans. uh, Because you like the Lakers in basketball. So you will relate to this. This past year in the playoffs, Kobe Bryant was injured. You know, he had the ankle injury, and he still played. He even shot some free throws with his ankle being bad. But he continued to play, and then he tore his Achilles tendon. And he tore that tendon and was out for the entire playoffs and is recovering, and it takes a long time to get that recovered. In an interview on Center, they were debating if the coach made the right decision. And some said uh, he made a poor decision. As the coach, he should know his players well enough to say, no, you sit down because I know that this is not good for you, so you sit down. Just then, someone just jumped in 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 their discussion and and he was another sports announcer and he said, okay, you know what, I played with Colby Bryant and I will tell you this, once Colby has made up his mind, you can't change it. Yeah, yeah, but he was injured, he was, he was, uh, was going to you know, uh, uh, jeopardize the team. He said, no, no, he wanted to win. So once his mind is made up, you can't change his mind. Oh, even if he was injured? Yep. Once he makes up his mind, there's nothing you can do to stop him. And I thought, wait a minute, Lord, that kind of sounds like me at times. That once my mind is made up, not even you can stop me. And you've given me this thing called free will. That is a powerful thing to possess. That I can actually disobey the most powerful being we will ever know. I can disobey God. And he says, I've given you free will so that you could love me. Otherwise it wouldn't be love. And so I can love you back. You wouldn't know true love unless you had free will. But don't use free will to injure yourself. Use free will to be used by me in a greater capacity. For some of us, sometimes that's how it is. God says, no, but our minds are already made up. We say, God, you are forgive me. You're going to help me because you always come through. And God says, yeah, I will. But I don't want to just heal you all your life. I don't want to just come to rescue you all your life. I want to use you in a greater capacity. I don't want to just be your doctor. I want to be your God. I want to be the one that lives in you and moves through you to do great things for me. He says, that's how I want to use you. And this is what the scripture tells us. Hebrews 12. It says to lift up your tired hands. I want us to do that right now. Just lift up your hands. Just just hold them up, everybody. Just hold up your hands. Come on, I know you're tired, lazy. or You say, I don't want to participate in this. Just hold up your hands. Hold them up. Now, after a while, like we can hold them up right now. It's very easy to do. Uh, But if you hold this up, hold your hands up a long time, your blood will continue to flow out of it, and therefore it'll become hard to hold it up. You can put your hands down because some of you are sweating now. (laughs) But this is what the Bible says. It says, lift up your tired hands then and strengthen your feeble knees, uh, your trembling knees. Keep walking on straight paths so that the lame foot may not be disabled, but instead be healed And it talks about the trembling knees, but in another version, and the the root word is feeble knees. That means paralyzed. Or that you have nerve damage. If any of you have nerve damage, you understand what it means to live with that pain, or to live with that suffering, or to live with that kind of ailment. And then he says in Isaiah 35, verses 3 and 4, "...give strength to the hands that are tired, and to knees that tremble with weakness." Tell everyone who is discouraged, be strong and don't be afraid. God is coming to your rescue, coming to punish your enemies. Now, the reason why the book of Hebrews uh, actually reiterates a little bit of what Isaiah is talking about, because Hebrews is in the New, is in the New Testament and Isaiah is in the, in the Old Testament, the reason why it refers back to that is because the author of Hebrews was reminding the people where they came from that they came from slavery, they came out of oppression, they came from a lifestyle that wasn't the best. And so he's saying, lift up your tired hands, that you're no longer that people anymore. You're now redeemed by God, that He's the one that came to rescue you from your enemies because the nations that surrounded them were trying their very best to destroy them and to let them know that there wasn't a God, that God couldn't rescue them, but God did. And now the writer in Hebrews is saying, don't forget where you came from, that he rescued you, that he brought you out of slavery now to live a brand new life. And that's what God is saying to us today, to strengthen the areas that strengthens our lives, that it comes back to our relationship with Jesus Christ. That when we live for him, then it doesn't matter what takes place around us, no matter what enemies we may have or what the enemy has in store, what the devil tries, because we're strengthened in God, we have the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. The victory that comes from God, and it's not in ourselves. And he says, you were once like this, but you're no longer like that. You are now walking a life that is pleasing to me. That now, what was once lame is now strengthened because you walk this path following me. That's what happens through physical therapy. For some, if you go through an injury, when you do PT or physical therapy you actually have to strengthen the area that was injured. If it was your knee and you was injured and you go through a, a surgery, when you come out of surgery, you don't just not you, you use that knee anymore. You don't, use, you don't just leave it there and not have it be used ever again. You let it heal up a little and then you go through physical therapy to strengthen that area. Whatever you and I go through, Whatever faults we may have, whatever things we may have done wrong against God, he can still redeem that. He can still use your life for something greater than what we can see for our very own lives, that he will use even our bad past for a greater future. And he says, you got to strengthen that area. you got to avoid what distracts you, what destroys you, but you got to strengthen it. It's not going to be easy but I want to use you for something that's going to take place in your future. There's going to be someone that is struggling with the very same thing you're struggling with, but if you're not victorious in this area, how can I use you? You see, God uses us because people will see what God did in our lives, and then they'll glorify Him and say, There must be a God, and when I strengthen what strengthens me, I can keep walking on straight paths so that my lame foot may not be disabled but be healed. And then the final thing, and here's where it can be a little fearful, but it'll be good, to prepare to be used by God. Prepare to be used by God. God wants to use us to spread His love to a world who is in desperate need of His love. But how do you prepare to be used by God when you don't know when that may be? How do you know that God is going to use you? How do you know What's going to take place? I mean, how do you prepare for something you're not ready for? Well, our military men and women, they train all the time. They don't only train when there's a war or when they're called to duty. They don't just sit around all day doing nothing. And then when called to duty, say, okay, okay, we, we, we were called to duty. Okay, what do we need to do? Well, you need to go and, uh, here's, here's your assignment. This is what you need to do. Uh, you need to go in and rescue these people, uh, Anybody know how to fly a chopper? Uh, I saw once someone fly it. Okay, uh, well, you're the closest person that is uh, capable, so why don't you try and fly the chopper. And uh, Anybody know how to repel off a chopper? Uh, I can can repel out of bed, but not a chopper. Well, close enough. Uh, you're You're the best person. You qualify right now. And so go, rescue the people. These people will not even take off they will probably die just getting to the chopper. They practice, train, day in and day out, even when they're not needed. Because when they are needed, they must be ready. They can't be almost ready. Our firefighters must be ready. They cannot almost be ready. And so it is, with God's people. We cannot almost be ready. We must be ready. When you go to work, when you serve in ministry, when you're out there in the community, when you're in school, wherever you may be, God will send people your way. And you won't recognize it unless you're ready for it. Well, how do you prepare then? How do you... I mean, I'm not the best person to talk about Jesus. Yeah, but you might be the best person to encourage someone. You may be the best person at your workplace, instead of gossiping, to bring encouragement. And when they're talking about the boss or this coworker or that other people or this shift of people or that group of people, that you can come in with the love of God and not join in. That you can actually make a difference with what takes place in the environments that we're in by being ready. Even in ministry, that God would use you in ministry and when everybody is saying, you know, they should do this, they should do that, I don't know why they do this. Who is they anyway? If Jesus is asking you to serve, then serve Him. The only time we'll have a complaint is when we're not serving Jesus. If we serve Jesus Christ, and we're saying, Lord, I'm serving you. Then everything is solvable. Everything is workable. But no sense, I huddle up and say, oh. And then everything is good. Oh, I'm holy. Lord, I serve you. I'm at my workplace and I, I represent you. But in the lunchroom. Oh, shh, they coming. Oh, hallelujah. He's just talking about you. All good things. All good things. I only get good things to talk about me. Yeah. God is saying, do you know how much of an impact you make? You know how much of a difference that you make? Because we carry the good news. Listen to this very carefully. I want us to all receive this. If you're a believer and you believe in Jesus Christ, nobody else carries the good news. It is specifically given to those who have received the good news. Which means you have a cure that no one else has for what we go through as human beings. God gave you the cure that separates us from Him. He says, I'm going to give you this good news. You're the messenger. And I'll take it to other people. Sometimes we put the good news in our pocket because we're saying, I, I can't, because I'm a two. And if I start telling people uh, about how good you are, and if I start changing my ways, then they're, they're not going to like me anymore. They're not going to want to hang around me anymore. So I'll settle for a two or a three. And God says, I, I understand that. But you're a ten in my eyes. It doesn't matter what you see, what you say. It doesn't matter what other people think. You're a tan in my eyes because you carry the good news of Jesus Christ that no one else possesses unless given to them by Jesus Christ himself. 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12. It says, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when He judges the world. Here's how we prepare. We keep away from worldly desires that wage war against our soul. Even, even if the devil comes around to steal, kill, and destroy, we've got to recognize that. Because if the devil can distract us with a war that has already been won by Christ, then we'll be unprepared for the real deal when it happens. And he says, you've got to prepare yourself. 1 Peter 3, 13 through 18. I love how the message translation says it, the message version. It says, if with heart and soul... You're doing good. Do you think you can be stopped? Even if you suffer for it, you're still better off. Don't give the opposition a second thought. Through thick and thin, keep your hearts at attention in adoration before Christ, your Master. Be ready to speak up and tell anyone who asks why you're living the way you are, and always with the utmost courtesy. Keep a clear conscience before God so that when people throw mud at you, none of it will stick. They'll end up realizing that they're the ones who need a bath. It's better to suffer for doing good if that's what God wants than to be punished for doing bad. That's what Christ did definitely. Suffered because of others' sins. The righteous one for the unrighteous ones. He went through it all, was put to death, and then made alive to bring us to God. That's the whole goal. God wants to bring people closer to Him. That's the vision of this church, to reach lost people one relationship at a time. And God will do that through you. He'll do that through me. But it's one relationship at a time so that people can come to know God. we got to prepare for it. My uh, children, when they were younger, uh, they would jump on me. You know, some of you you have younger children, and when you come home, if you, if you lie down somewhere, you're dead. They're just going to jump all over you. And so I would have to prepare. Like now, my grandchildren, one is uh, three, and one is going to be two, but that's what they do. Anytime Papa comes around them, they just want to jump on me. And so if I'm lying down, and I'm not prepared, they will just pounce on me and injure me. And sometimes I'll find one and I'll grab him and I'll say, okay, where's the next one? Where's the other one? Oh, there he is over my head, landing on me. So if I don't prepare then, and I'm not ready for them, I'm going to be caught off guard. And God says in the same way, you know what's going to happen. You know I want to use you. You know that I've saved you for a reason, that you have a purpose for living. It's not about your past. It's about what I'm doing in your future. So be ready for it. Prepare for it because I'm going to do something so great that you won't even know. That I've done this. That it's going to be done in such a way that people will come to know God in, in a greater capacity. And one day when we get to heaven, they're going to run up to you. And they're going to say, you know, you never knew, but God used you to touch my life. You never knew this. But when that day you encouraged me, changed my life forever. You may not even know it. But God says to prepare for it. In the meantime, James 5, 7. It says, meanwhile, friends, wait patiently for the master's arrival. You see, farmers do this all the time, waiting for their valuable crops to mature. Patiently letting the rain do its slow but sure work. Be patient like that. Stay steady and strong. The master could arrive at any time. Amen close your Bibles and put away your notes. I'm going to ask if you would pray with me and just bow your heads for a moment. Let's pray. Lord, you have shown us that you came to rescue us for a reason. It's not just for the sake of being with you in a relationship, but there are so many more people In our in our world that have yet to come to know you as Lord and Savior. They're far from you, they don't know you. And as you said, that you came to seek and to save that which was lost. That means that you're looking for people, that you're using us to find lost people. And the reason why you use us is because people can relate to us more than they can, probably with you. And the reason for that is because we live with this thing called sin, it's in our nature. We can't get rid of it. There's no remedy for it except for the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ, that He died on the cross and He paid the price for our sins so that we could have this relationship with You. Many of us understand this, but we have yet to let others know. And So I pray, Lord, You'd help us to avoid that which destroys our lives, to strengthen the areas that strengthen our lives, but then we'd prepare to be used by You. whatever capacity that you would build our lives up our marriages and our families our relationships our character our integrity so that we can become tens and not settle for being twos or threes but that we carry the gospel of Jesus Christ the good news help us Lord to take care of the things we need to in private the things we do behind closed doors To take care of those things in private before you take care of those things in public. Help us to do what you've called us to do. And that's to have beautiful feet. And the only reason why we can have beautiful feet is because we carry the good news of Christ. So help us to do that to a world who is in desperate need of good news. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all said, amen.